This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center cave here inside the Melbourne Law Studio. And we are now live here on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, uh, we're going to try something today that we haven't been doing before. We're going to give it a whirl, so bear with us as we work out the kinks. In a moment here, you will see a number. Uh, I do not see it yet, but I'm a little bit behind you all. And what will happen, ideally, as soon as uh, production, bear with us, puts this up, Okay, we have a number that should be coming as I say I'm just a little bit. There it is. Uh, you may call what you do. That's too long to dial. So I think what we think you can do is tap on it. Um, we're going to try it right now and see if that's what happens. Uh, our production guys are tapping on it and maybe they'll end up calling themselves here. So this is a Friday experiment with us. I'd like to do more of this. I have a Friday call in and we're working on actually upgrading to a line, but there's a little bit of expense in that and we're researching it, but we're going to try to do it because I would like to hear uh, from time to time live from the people uh, who are um, watching the show. So um, I'm waiting for a high sign from production to see is going well. Okay, we're going to give you five minutes because we're learning that you can't tap on Facebook chat and have that be a live link. So we're going to put up, if you give us about five or six minutes, we're going to put up a live link that you should be able to tap on. And what happens if that works properly is you will tap on that link and you will go into a chat holding room and uh, a production uh, fellow, Evan, will hear it and then he'll patch you over to me. So uh, bear with us. Meanwhile, I will tell you as we're warming this uh, uh, mechanism up here and learning how to work it, uh, that we, the editorial, which is right now on Gainesville.com, I don't think it's in the papers yet, uh, that has been written by Nathan Crabb about what we've been doing with the election beat issue here locally is um, revealing for one respect. Um, you may not have seen it yet, and you have to be a member to see it of the uh, in other words, have paid uh, Gainesville.com uh, to see it. But the important thing in this uh, is that um, we have admission finally. Of course, they quote the old uh, political liberal Dan Smith, and they're trying to blame it on the system. Of course, it was the system that did it. It wasn't a character or any kind of uh, lack of judgment on the part of the people. just a system. And, of course, the reason the system is uh, uh, brought up is it's a Republican system. And so it's the blame to blame the system. 
is to blame the Republicans and they've, they've made this a partisan deal, which makes you think that all along um, they were going to, of course, um, make it a partisan deal on the other end. But if you if you read the excellent reporting done, and I'm telling you, I'm going to recommend these two writers be put up for a prize. Alexander Lugo and Carolina El Vento, who have been writing for Fresh Take Florida, how they have done. They are the you know, we thought investigating reporting was had gone by the wayside. These two have been par excellent in uh, probing these um, the, the stories behind the stories on these voter beep charges. So uh, I want to give them a real shout out as often as I can. They are head and shoulders above any writers uh, that they have in the, in the Gainesville Sunset. And the Gainesville Sunset has reprinted their work in, in today's digital copy of the Sunset. So, but if you read Crabb's uh, editorial, of course, it is sprinkled with liberal liberalism. Uh, finally, though, kicking and, and squawking and dragged into this, I will promise you it's against his will, um, against his desire, is one Brian Kramer, who has now said, uh, and I bet you he would really wish he never had to say this, that um, I'll read this paragraph from Crabb's editorial. Eighth Circuit State Attorney Brian Kramer said he's working on a way to help local residents determine their eligibility to vote. I will assure you that that is something he didn't want to ever have to do. He's been complaining forever that he's understaffed and overworked and there's all this crime and he formed his task force and this task force was going to be able to address all this. And, um, you know, of course he left the sheriff out of it and all the sheriffs out of it. Um, put of all things, Derry Lloyd somehow at the helm of it, went, reached over there and got the GPD involved. That whole group was dysfunctional. So anyway, I assure you that he would rather not have had to, that's an interesting verb tense, not have had to. Uh, that is uh, uh, to have to do this, but he's going to have to because the pressure that the public has begun to put on him in the form of national organizations as well as local ones, initiated by the Ward Scott Files and the data investigator. Kramer said, now he's trying to, at the same time, perhaps here, toot his own, toot his own horn. He says he's unaware of other state attorneys. Uh, that should be any other state attorneys, not other, should be any other any other state attorneys in Florida performing such a service, uh, but he believes it falls under his purview. I will assure you, my friends, that is a quantum change in his behavior. And it's long overdue that somebody go in there and begin to take charge of voter rolls because they were, that's where the poorest leaks are. And so far, They've all been washing their hands of this responsibility. See no evil, hear no evil, as I say. And now he, I, this is, he, he has been quoted in, in Nathan Crabb's editorial, quote, this is what we should be doing. Wow, I will assure you, I'll assure you that statement has only come as a result of enormous 
public pressure. So uh, that is um, the, the, the long and the short of where we are with this right now. We have moved them into this. And let's see how we're doing here. I see more. Have you got something going here, Evan? Okay. All right, we got a link there. We think if you just click on it, you'll be able to call in. So the first person gets the prize, huh? Who clicks on that and gives us a twirl of it. Meanwhile, I'll be continuing this conversation about this story, which you're able to perfectly able a moment to call in and talk about. So um, this is something that we're interested in how you feel about this in, in a live conversation with yours truly. So um, the, uh, uh, the other part of this story, which is this is Crab's story, part of it, and the most interesting part of it is where Kramer has come out of his shell and has been forced to say, well, I need to get involved and has also been forced to say I should have been involved. Um, yeah, if you don't have a smartphone, you're out of luck. Um, yeah, that's that's welcome to the 21st century plantation. So if you don't, you have to have a smartphone. Um Maybe uh, that's, we got production. I can see him scratching his head on that. There might be a way around, but right now there doesn't appear to be. So it would take, I think, uh, a smartphone at the moment. Um, the other thing here is um, that you uh, need to take a look at is um, the where. Well, this is just a great article by by. Uh, uh, um, Alexander Lugo and Carolina El Vento, where the hapless soul Kelvin uh, Bolton was picked up and arrested. He was arrested. Are you ready for this? If you haven't read this, don't know about it. We'll break the news here. He was arrested at the St. Francis House. Okay. And the St. Francis House is basically the home away from home with the homeless and the hungry. And he was uh it's a homeless, uh, local homeless shelter, St. Francis House. It is downtown. People have complained forever downtown merchants that you got a homeless shelter right next to where they're trying to bring people in to, you know, conduct their lives in a, in a regular fashion. Uh, he's now being held in the Alachua County Jail, as we reported yesterday. Um, uh, okay, well, now we got another one up. What's the story on that one, Evan? Can't hear you. Let's see what's going on here. Hang on. Bear with us. Yeah. Oh, you could. Yeah. If you don't have a smartphone, Plantation Mark, you can type in all the phone, all those numbers manually in there. It'll take you a minute, but you, I know, can handle that. And you would not be able to enjoy the single click. So, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> no meeting or password is needed uh, if you click on that uh, smartphone uh, link there. So, um, yes, uh, Kelvin Bolton was, um, and we showed you his rap sheet yesterday, which is extensive. Um, goes back to the early 80s, really. Um, was picked up at the St. Francis House, which was a homeless shelter. 
He is now in the Alachua County Jug again, where he was originally solicited by one T.J. Pichet. I'm trying to imagine what goes through the mind of an outreach coordinator like T.J. Pichet, who goes into it. What, what, what really was going through his mind? Here's a man who has got a Kevin Bolton, who has got a record. It goes back to 82 many of which are felonies, a lot of which is petty stuff. But nevertheless, he has no, it's absolutely hopeless that he would ever be able to pay any restitution. Of course, that's being blamed on the Republicans. And I, I irony, the irony is, according to Alexander Lugo and Carolina Alvento, is um, that one Kelvin Bolton voted in the primary as a Republican. Uh, these, these two young writers are doing a heck of a job. So uh, meanwhile, he's now sitting Imagine, would you not kind of think you were taking advantage of people if you were the outreach director and you took a look at this fellow who's 55 years old, was in his 50s, um, and, and uh, getting, come on over here, come on down, see no trouble, hear no trouble, this and that, and sign up. And then the guy thinks, I mean, I... He must think, my golly, you know, I've died and gone to heaven. They've all they've forgiven me for everything I've ever done. And now I'm legal and away I go. Come on, you got to be kidding me. And yet the state attorney's office has exonerated one T.J. Pichet and Kim Bolton, uh, uh, Kim, Kim, Kim Barton. I, I just I, I, I just have a lot of trouble with that. Um, it, you know, it, it really, really um kind of gets on my bad side, uh, this passing the buck stuff. Um, you know, I, 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 I just don't know what else to say about it. This guy is sitting over there um, waiting, waiting, waiting. What I hope happens, what I hope happens personally, is that there is a deposition given by T.J. Pichet and somebody gets a lot, some liar defends Mr. Bolton and says, okay, let's go to trial. And, uh, and you know, maybe we can collect all these hapless souls that were signed up by TJ. And, okay, let's go to trial. And let's depose one TJ Bechet. And let's find out what he said. In Mountain. You know what he's going to do, don't you? He's already liared up. In anticipation of this, he's already said, well, I'll take the Fifth Amendment if you ask me to tell what I said to these guys. I'll say, I can't tell you because I incriminate myself. I don't know what bigger admission of guilt there is than to shield yourself from having to tell what you actually said. And, you know, this is so it's so unbecoming, isn't it? Isn't it unbecoming of, of, of professional people? Here's a professional guy, T.J. Pichet, who just takes the Fifth Amendment and says, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to tell you anything because I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about myself. I, it makes you wonder. If there was any quota that he was getting for signing up people to register to vote, was he getting some kind of, it just makes you wonder if these people got kickbacks in some form, fashion or promotions or Sunday school stars or for the more you drag down here to pad or fill out or enlarge our, our voter rolls. And that was the whole thing behind Zuckerbucks. And by the way, he voted by absentee ballot, uh, Mr. Uh, from what I understand, that's what Kelvin Bolton did, and who proliferated absentee ballots? Who financed the printing and, and, and the machines it took to
to turn out these absentee ballots. Who did that? Who did that? Zuckerberg did it. Zuckerbucks did it. And, and you know, you know it, so it's all, I don't know if it'll all come unglued here and, and, and sooner or later, um, you know, it, it actually comes to pass that we um, can uncover that which the convict, listen, we know that there is, people talk about Russia. People talk about the censorship. We're not much different. We're not much different. We have a politically acceptable national narrative about what the truth is. There are two very clear examples. One is the voter issue and the other is the Hunter Biden issue. I'm not even dragging Hillary into it. We know she's involved in it. So the big two right now is that the narrative will not allow anyone to challenge its spin on the platforms. And the platforms are the conventional printing news. And I just cited for you how locally the editorial writer can't seem to talk about this without blaming it on the Republicans. And you go over and get a political hack out of the university, um, you know, that I, you know, is obviously uh, on board for not an objective professional point of view, but a particular, I would think, I, would, I mean, it makes you wonder. Um, and by hack, I mean, hacks up the professional responsibility you would think you'd have to giving a fair and a, a look at all sides of the issue, which I haven't seen him do. Um, and the end result is somebody who didn't uh, know it was coming gets caught up in this. And um, I have a, a, a waiting room here. Do we have an admit, Evan? Attention. I had to see it. Evan didn't see it. I got to keep him on the ball here. All right. Who are we talking to? Hello. Okay, Ward. It's Plantation Mark. How you doing? My golly, how'd you figure it out, buddy? Oh, I've been sitting here typing on this darn telephone for about 15 minutes, but I finally got it. Well, my God, it's great to hear from you. It's great for people to hear you. Uh, they've, they've seen your name. They've heard us refer to you as Plantation Mark, but they've never heard you. Why don't you say a little bit about yourself and what you're up to and how long you've been uh, hanging around the Ward Scott Files and where you... It's all very interesting, Mark. Yeah, well, I grew up in Gainesville, graduated in 70 from Gainesville High School. Uh, two years later, I was drafted to go to Vietnam, so I joined the Navy and spent the next 30 years, 26 of it, here in Virginia. And when I retired, I moved back to Gainesville, out in the county, off of East University Avenue. Stayed there till they started building that wood-burning power plant. And uh, <laughs> then I vowed, vowed that I wouldn't double my rent down there, even though I owned everything, so... Having 12 acres and a big 600-something-acre hunting lease up here in Virginia, I just uh, sold the house down there. And in uh, October of uh, 2013, I moved back up here with a new house, 
uh, buildings, and now I've got tractors and bought more land, and so that's that's what it is. And I'm glad to support you, Ward. Uh, I mean, we go way back to your radio days and all the stupid meetings and everything else. And I really <laughs> miss the uh, uh, local remote stuff you used to do up in a lot with there at the pawn shop. Me and Margaret would always come up there and listen and have pizza and. Uh, good time and I'm, I'm glad to support the show as much as i can and uh i look forward to i have to hustle every morning between running down to town and getting back <laughs> here i get back about 10 minutes before you come on the air so <laughs> it uh margaret's always got the computer warmed up ready to go but well, uh, we're gonna try to get some, yeah we're gonna try to get stuff in the ground this weekend and uh Hopefully it does not frost Sunday morning. I'm thinking it's the last hurrah, but I've got to put in about 1,200 uh, corn seed in one patch and, and broccoli and lettuce and you name it, Ward. Well, it's great to hear from you, and I don't think people realize that this, uh, how well you stay connected, even though you're really off kind of the beaten trail. Uh, you, you've been tuned in all day long to what's going on in the world, and uh, you're one of the most informed people I know. And yet you're also your own man. You're back there, as you say, growing your own food and cutting your own wood. And, and yet you're very much on what's going on in the world. I really appreciate your support. It's been tremendous for your commitment to the show. And, of course, we go way back together. And, and uh, I, I know, like you, I, I wonder where we're headed and what we're up to as a culture and a society. So um, appreciate all you do for the Ward Scott Files, sir. Okay, Ward, we'll let you guys go and uh, listen to some other guys here on the, on the computer. Take her easy, man. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, that's entirely fitting. Our first caller was Plantation Mark. So uh, he's been, uh, uh, we call him Plantation Mark, and I think you can hear why we do. Uh, he's a real deal with the tractors and um, all that sort of business going on, and yet he stays very much upon what's going on in the, uh, the world, uh, even here in Gainesville, because he once lived in East Gainesville and just grew to the place where it was a little bit difficult to take. So uh, moved on and now he's up in uh, Virginia and uh, he really supports the show. Uh, he's one of our great donors and uh, makes possible a lot of the things that we're able to do to provide you with uh, uh, hopefully a good product. So that was um, his name is actually Mark Cook, his wife's Margaret. And um um, um, they, they live there uh, off the land, so to speak. That's the way you might look at it and how you might phrase it. So um, appreciate that call. Anybody else who wants to call, you can do, if you don't have a smartphone, you can do what Mark did. And he took the time to type all those numbers in. Is that how that worked, Evan? He, and, um, and fortunately, I can see here on my computer screen, if somebody's waiting to be admitted, um, Evan spends a lot of discs and uh, uh, plates there in the production room, so he might not see the caller as soon as I evidently can see the caller. So uh, if you call in, we'll see it right away. So I was very, very, very fortunate. I mean, I'm very happy to hear that our first caller on the Award Scott Files, um, uh, as we do this, maybe we'll continue it, uh, call in Friday, uh, make it a traditional type of a situation. I uh, wasn't nobody uh, other than Plantation Mark, so I uh, really appreciate that call. Uh, as I was saying, um, we've got a, uh, I'd really like to hear from my old buddy, 
uh, Ken Hillier, who's looking here. I wish he'd tap in, and I haven't talked to him in ages. He's in Atlanta, and um, he gets the point of view of all this uh, as, it, as it relates to Atlanta, Georgia, and the state of Georgia. And, um, you know, it's got its own situation there uh, with Stacey Abrams and the like. Um, that is also waiting to be kind of uncovered and and um, um, store. You know, I, they don't have award Scott files, I guess, in Atlanta, but um, uh, there's certainly a need for investigative reporting, and that's what I'm applauding uh, our our student writers uh, about that I mentioned to you. I think they are so so good. I haven't met them yet, but I I'm going to try to reach out and meet Alexander Lugo and Carolina Del Vento. Uh, just to, to, to as a professor and, and tell them uh, as a professor the work that they're doing, the sentences that they write, the energy they put into this is um, unusual and you don't find this and it's sort of pure. I mean, there's not really that I can detect in anything that they write. Um, the uh, I can't detect anything in there that that has to do with a, a bias or they're just interested in getting the story out as it as it uh, as it unfolds, and, and they don't seem to be trying to direct the story in any certain direction. As is the case with, unfortunately, what I've been just reporting was the treatment we've gotten about the story from Nathan Crabb and from these people. They try to direct the story in a certain direction, and um, that's the problem with the media. Uh, if it doesn't go in a certain direction, then they'll make it go in a certain direction. It's very refreshing to see uh, the young people who haven't succumbed to that flaw yet in their profession. And hopefully they won't. Hopefully they won't let it take them over. So um, I'm going to keep my eye on them. And, and I don't think that they're finished. This story certainly isn't finished. It hasn't completely unfolded yet. And, and, and they deserve some sort of journalistic award for what they've been doing so far because uh, their uh, publication uh, has been reprinted today in the Sun. Their publication is Fresh Take Florida. Uh, and they're over in the journalism school at the University of Florida. So it's um, um, just give them a little bit of a shout out. Uh, we got the link back up there and um, hopefully uh, we'll have some fun with this today and somebody else will um, pop in and give us a um, hello or what's on their mind. Um, and uh, we'll be welcoming that. It's uh, something we used to do on the radio every day. We had a call in every day and and uh, we um, had an apparatus. We had phone lines there and um, there we could hook the phone line directly up to uh, the radio uh, transformer, so to speak. But here it's, we're in a different world. We're in the internet world. And so we're learning the ropes on that and how it works. It's um, something, if it proves interesting and um, enhances your ability to converse firsthand with and, and we get your opinions, we'll look at upgrading if it's possible to a little system that might make it more practical. But we have to, first of all, learn this one and get the bugs out of this one and learn how it, how it functions. Um, we're coming up on a break at the bottom of the hour, but... Um, um, uh, we'll come back and we'll keep this whole hour, uh, what's called a call in Friday for today and see how it works. So, um, uh, welcoming another call anytime you want to push it in and uh, we'll, uh, we'll chat with you about anything you want to check about or related to what we cover on the Word Scott files. 
So before we go to break, I want to summarize that there has been a, a quantum change, if you will, in the behavior of the state attorneys. Brian Kramer, from our point of view, in the beginning, he really took the position that this was not his business. Uh, he didn't need to involve the voter beep, that he had other things to do. There were crimes he needed to be uh, taken care of. His prior He prioritized this quite honestly. He prioritized this whole thing as very low priority. Clearly, that's not the case now. Um, things have changed and it's now become much higher priority. And he said so publicly. So that's another result of where, uh, where we are now from where we started. Where we started was just a conversation between uh, me and uh, the data investigator one day uh, over the phone. My golly, he said, you realize what I've, uh, you know, I've discovered. And so we met started talking about it. And then uh, we got some other people involved in it. I don't want to get into who they were right now, but they were in the state political system. So uh, it's been a lot of heavy lifting by Mark and I've uh, done whatever I can do to help him. And you've done whatever you can do to help him. So uh, we'll take a little break here for a while and uh, probably um, we'll let him become a little more accustomed with what we're doing here in terms of call in. And uh, we'll see if you chat with us after we get back from our break. From the Ward Scott Files, Professor Ward Scott in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Melbourne Law Studio. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. No, Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Melvin Law Studio in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, God's country, with a pretty nice day coming up. So we hope everything is nice your way as well. Um, we are experimenting today with what's called in call in Friday and. We just had our first caller, Plantation Mark, who 
has been a long time friend and supporter of the show. And um, good to hear from him. And you got to hear his voice, perhaps, if you were listening and uh, recognize that there is a person behind uh, the name out here on our uh, Facebook chat lines here. Um, while we're talking, I thought I would uh, share with you some uh, alarm that's gone up about the fact that uh, Elon Musk has uh, evidently been able to purchase enough of the Twitter platform that has made the Twitter world nervous. Um, you know, Twitter has permanently banned a president from using it. It's kind of unheard of, isn't it? That you ban a president. As I was saying before we got our first caller there, you, you think we're not like Russia. We're very much like Russia in terms of censorship of speech and thought and control and punishment of those who disagree. We have a, uh, a Congress that tried to impeach, did and tried to well, impeach the president twice. Now they're trying to nail him for a so-called insurrection. Um, meanwhile, they play favorites with insurrections. They play favorites with with um, uh, political candidates. They play, you know, like Hunter Biden obviously is is uh, about as off the, the rails as you can get. And we'll probably cover that in a lot more detail as we go along. But um, it is a sad state of affairs when you actually think of it in those terms that we're not much different at all um, from Russia in how we treat political thought that we find uh, if we're in political power to be challenging or unacceptable or against quote unquote community standards, whatever in the world they might be. So I was looking at something Bradley Smith has written. It's kind of a, uh, a, a mock conversation with Elon Musk, um, so to speak. Now, Elon, now that you have purchased quite a bit of Twitter, maybe you can uh, have an influence on how Twitter is operating and censoring people. And um, the, adv the advocacy here by Bradley Smith is that Elon Musk uh, become a, a force for free speech. And uh, the, the free speech advice that he gives, the force that he advises Elon Musk, uh, have 10 points to them. What I thought was, you know, worth talking about because we are involved and receive the same sort of, uh, of uh, um, censorship, if you will, that all everybody else does if they cross the line on challenging the conventional narrative. So uh, Mr. Smith in this imaginary conversation with Elon Musk, which Elon Musk is probably going to read if he hasn't already, has 10 points I wanted to repeat them for you to see if you agree with them. Uh, number one is Twitter should always leave uh, more content up. Um, Twitter, and I'm gonna use Twitter, but it's not very much different from Facebook. Uh, very much the same. Uh, Twitter and I'll go ahead and put Facebook in they have rules about posts, as you know, and the bulk of the enforcement. And the only reason this is being pointed at Elon Musk is because he's bought a lot of shares of Twitter. It's the same thing pretty much goes for Facebook. But, you know, he hasn't bought enough shares of Facebook to influence uh, Facebook's practices. But you can really anywhere I say Twitter, you can add Facebook pretty much. So. Uh, these artificial, I mean, these these platforms, the social platforms are called, I guess, have rules about posts and the enforcement is done through algorithms. We've mentioned that to you. The reason I say voter beep is the algorithm evidently 
doesn't know how to uh, uh, evaluate the beep. If I had said voter F, and then, you know, the last letter of that word ends with a D, the algorithm has been programmed to um, um, use that as a no-no, see that as a no-no. But when I say voter B, the algorithm doesn't know what to do with it. So we know that the bulk of the enforcement of what is on uh, these platforms is not free. It is censored through artificial intelligence. And the algorithms err on the side of taking down material that actually people don't see as threatening as the algorithm does. If I say voter F, nobody out there in his right mind or her right mind or its right mind would see that as, as a threat to some, but the algorithm does. So I say voter B. So what the number one piece of advice to Elon Musk is in this imaginary conversation that the platform should err on the side of leaving questionable material up at least until human beings have reviewed it. And of course that still doesn't address who those human beings might be. If they're all going to be lefties, of course, um, that's not going to accomplish much. The, number, the, the second piece of advice that Mr. Smith gives Mr. Musk is more aggressively screen complaints. Uh, right now, there's too much bad faith reporting done for the purpose of getting controversial. Um, and I think that cuts both ways. The cover-up of Biden, Hunter Biden, um, is, uh, you know, not the best form of expression you want in a free and open society. But it's controversial, so it gets a one-sided treatment, which in, in effect becomes bad faith reporting. Um, so there needs to be more, uh, how shall we say this, content defense, there need to be more content objectivity, um, erring on the side of speech, not censorship. If somebody puts something up there about 100 bucks, and you, you see this, we now know that at least for a year, probably more, the press has been systematically, as well as Congress, and the press gets its storyline from Congress. It errs on the side of protecting certain points of view and political interests. And certainly this is one with Hunter Biden. So the platforms practice censorship more than they do free speech. The third thing that would need to be done would be to create an easy to use rapid appeals process, uh, especially for posts or people who are banned or suspended. And the case here, of course, that we come to mind right away with, with Twitter is the president of the United States. They won't even let the president appeal the banning. So there needs to be a process of appeal. And that would need to be worked out once again 
hopefully to be in the hands of fair and objective people. But um, right now, the fourth point that Mr. Smith makes is that uh, Twitter, as well as Facebook, cave in to organize campaigns to censor certain speakers. And we know that there's so-called dark money behind these campaigns, um, financing pressure to uh, be put on uh, these people whose opinions are not politically acceptable by the acceptable narrative. So the fifth thing that would follow from this, according to Mr. Smith, is keep government officials out of this uh, in terms of ignoring their request, play fairly with this. You can't censor Trump and not censor Schumer, Schumer or one of the others on the, on the left. You, you have to be more objective uh, and more critical of government officials who tell you as Obama just did. You know, Obama already is trying to tip the playing field. He has gone back to D.C. and said, oh, there's so much misinformation out there. We need to. In other words, he is turning this thing over to his side. There's so much misinformation out there that we need to uh, 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 handle this differently. But he is the one putting out the misinformation. He's the one, his group, his crowd, his political agenda point of view is the one that is intentionally putting out the misinformation. So what he's really talking about, and you almost have to be a code talker to know how to decipher these people, he's talking about any challenge to their misinformation is to be considered misinformation. If you got a headache, I, I don't I don't blame you. And if you want to chime in on this, give us a call. I'm interested in what some of you looking here um, have to say. And as Walt Boyer is saying here in his post, this is exactly an advocacy of Mr. Smith. Yeah, we do have a caller. Let's take this call. Hello. You're on the line. Hello. Hello. To whom am I speaking? Ward, I don't know if you're talking to me or somebody else. I'm talking to you. <laughs> this is Ken. Hey, Ken. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> or better known as Jax. Well, I tell you, Jax, you're you're now, you're, I don't know what we'd call you in Atlanta. We used to call you Jax because you're from Jacksonville, but you're in Atlanta. <laughs> And you've been a faithful <laughs> supporter and listener and all kinds of things. And old buddy Ken and I go back way back. Uh, he's done some heroic things in Vietnam. He was an airborne medic and uh, been through the Agent Orange world and all that kind of stuff. Um, and has really been a lifelong friend. Uh, we were talking about, uh, of course, Georgia, as we say, Georgia. Uh, yeah. What's your viewpoint up there about Georgia? <laughs> Oh, Ward, I mean, it just it keeps me up at night times thinking about what's going on here with Stacey Abrams and her push for, you know, Medicaid for everybody, and she's raising money, more money. I don't know how much money she's got now. She scares me. She really does. And um, I don't know about 
Purdue or Kemp or what we're going to do. You know, I got to vote Republican, but it's uh, it's a mess up here. You know, I don't know if I told you this. I'll make this real quick, like, but in Fulton and the Cab counties, Biden, Warnock, and Ossoff all won by the exact same percentage, eighty-six percent of the vote. How'd that happen? You got me. And by the way, we're in no hurry. You take your time, talk as much as you want to talk, because it's all about you guys today on Friday. I don't know how that is. Right. Anybody trying to figure that out, to your knowledge, Ken? You know, I don't think so. That you know, they recounted all these votes three different times, but for some reason, they didn't do any signature verification. And it's the same thing in Arizona. I just read this morning, hundred thousand mail-in ballots, no integrity as far as the the pathway of, of verification. And the same thing happened in Pennsylvania, two hundred thousand. So. I know you can't say the word beep, but there was a lot of beeping going on. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, there's no question that nobody really, and we're just talking about this in terms of how the media platforms cover this up. And um, we've even got a situation, as you know, where we banned the president and now we've got a uh, fellow. And they already seen, I, I, I'm thinking that once Musk made this move, it brought Obama back to start damage control. And we know how damage control works. It's uh, the left is excellent at it, very good at it, by um, turning the tables and saying, well, we're not the ones putting the misinformation out. You're the ones putting the misinformation out. And for some strange reason, the press buys into it. Misinformation out. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, I, I uh, think I lost you. Did I lose you? Well, no, you didn't lose me. I think maybe you had uh, a voice on in the background as well. So it might have been your. Oh, okay. You might have been turned up well, on yourself. But no, my you, wife, Nancy, says good morning, too. Well, I'm, I'm she really. Loves, she like, loves listening to yourself. <laughs> I will tell you, hi, Nancy. I'm really uh, uh, so glad that uh, you got my buddy there under your watchful eye. So I'm sure he couldn't be in any better hands and, and you're taking care of him, Nancy. <laughs> He's certainly, uh, he's certainly one of the better people in this world. Well, well Lord, I appreciate that. I'm glad glad we reconnected after so many years. Uh, you were a good roommate. You put me up for, I don't know, for a whole semester before I went into the Army. And <laughs> the only thing I only thing I, I remember that, I, that was not a fond memory was your former roommate, George Grandy. When he left, he left that piping <laughs> in the closet. <laughs> and, and I walked in there and scared the uh, whatever out of me. <laughs> I'll tell that story when you when you hang up. You piqued people's interest or whatever. But uh, yeah, we had a roommate who liked snakes, and um, uh, this was a big python. I've had the same thing happen. You go in there and slide the door back, and there he is. They always like to get up high. And he was up on yeah, the top up in the very top of the closet. <laughs> up in the very top of the closet, up there taking a nap. And he was a bigot. I swear to God, oh, he, he was. was. Oh wow! Well, thanks for calling. Anyway, in. Ward, I'm I'm glad I called in. I really enjoy your show, and and you you guys, you and Mark, keep plugging away what you're doing down there. It's uh, it's you know, you're helping a lot of people exposing. <laughs> we wish we could uh, uh, clone ourselves and send a, a squad up there to you guys. We're sure it's all over the place. 
but we're just as well, you know. I wish you could too. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. All right. Take care, my friend. Thank you, Ken. And th- say hello, Nancy. Bye-bye. Well, Bye. that's, a, that's a wonderful conversation there with a longtime friend. Uh, he alluded to the days when uh, I had an extra room and he was getting ready to go into the Army. And uh, uh, actually, I, I, I met him through Harmon Wages, the, the great uh, athlete here at the University of Florida, went on to hold some records for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Harmon and Ken were, were childhood buddies, and he said, I got a pretty good roommate for you. So Ken came over and um, inherited the python that lived in the uh, upper levels of uh, the empty room, which um, was left there to kind of <laughs> make a point about and that was a big snake, but we got him. We got him a better home. We got that. We got that old boy a better, a better home. He really wasn't a nasty reptile. He was just, you know, he was basically lethargic and basically until he got hungry. You know, he wasn't. He didn't stir much at all. But you know, I've had strange friends over the years. My wife will always say, "Well, it's another one of your friends." So what can I say? But you know, so anybody who tries to put me in a box as a whether um. Prejudice. I'm really very, very open and free and accepting of all sorts of lifestyles. Uh, uh, it's, it's just uh, it's just the way I, it's always been. So the other thing that um, Mr. Smith was like for these, um, and Walt Boyer just alluded to it here on Facebook chat, is to um, just and, and Smith said just eliminate the fact checking program. Nobody believes who's got in his right mind that fact checking is really unbiased. We know darn good and well that fact-checking is another uh, arm of the censorship. Fact-checking is biased, and the people know it's biased. And fact-checking has had the opposite effect uh, of its intended effect. It has tended to destroy the credibility of um, fact-checking. Nobody is going to really uh, take that into account and, and as, as a valid component of of the communication process when we know darn well. Uh, And furthermore, what is a fact? You know, one of the big things that we teach in uh, rhetorical strategies is the student to be able to determine what the difference is between fact and opinion. And uh, it's not easy to do. And and so here all of a sudden, in the oversimplified way, uh, we have a, a mechanism, mechanical, by the way, artificial, stimulated, I'm sure, initially by artificial intelligence to go, quote, unquote, check a fact of all things. So uh, that's not uh, a piece of of the platform that ought to be um, hanging around these platforms. The other thing that um, the uh, uh, Mr. Smith advises Mr. Musk to try to do is to conduct an outside audit of Twitter, and whenever we say Twitter, I'll really say Facebook as well, uh, um, to, to uh, you need to audit who is removing, quote unquote, false or misleading information. In other words, who are these censors removing false or misleading information? We just said that we have a fantastic public example of this, which has just now come out on this, and that's Obama. Obama of all people saying that the right is putting up misleading information. This is another, in my humble opinion, effort by him to do damage control. If you recall, he hired 
a novelist, a writer, to write a narrative about the country that Obama approved, and then they distributed it to the media, and the media copied it. Now, let me tell you how that works. I've been watching the treatment of this story we have about voter B. I know all those details very, very well, okay? The only ones of all the writers, of all the writers who are doing it fresh and original are the two young writers I just talked about, Alexandra Lugo and Caroline Elvento. They truly are not picking their narrative and putting it together from pieces of other people's narrative. Other people, however, are picking Lugo and Elvento's narrative and putting it in theirs. So that is really, really something to take note of. Um, they don't, they're coming up with their own fresh copy. They're going places that no one else has gone. The others come along and piggyback on what they've done. So uh, there ought to be some way of knowing uh, when a writer has lifted, so to speak, the information from some other writer. And not that, see, if you don't copy it word for word, you're not really honor bound to, to necessarily give them credit. If you kind of paraphrase or springboard off of it, um, you sort of been in no man's territory there and you can't be hauled, held accountable. And this is a lot of the gray area that nobody's auditing in these Twitter and Facebook accounts. The other thing that uh, needs to be done is uh, this co hateful conduct policy. Um, what it's been used to do, according to Smith, is squelch public discussion on contested issues. Um, that needs to be examined. You know, anything that you come up with, for example, if I question, I've had it happen to me, you know this, if I question the attention, the intentions, the motivations, and the, and the behavior of Black Lives Matter, particularly in the local version with some of the local players, then what they do, I'm considered to be hateful, I'm considered to be a racist, because I question, they're actually the racists. They're actually the hateful ones. This is a very good example. Uh, this idea of a racist being only a white person is nuts. I know so many black racists. It's, I mean, I'll, I even call them that. And they say, yeah, I, I know I am. But you never see that in print. But they're black racists, you know, and there's black racism among blacks. And it has to do with skin hue. The lighter versus the darker. I mean, it, it, listen, come on. This is not some either or situation. So this hateful conduct policy that often is uh, triggered whenever you at, and whenever you dare approach the subject of uh, gendering or uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. All of a sudden, this is hateful. And all of a sudden, the left uses that questioning of them. Look at this woman who has spent an enormous amount of 
Black Lives Matter money on her personal home. Um, this is struggling to be written about in the news media. Take a look at our local example of Corrine Brown, whose name is still on the regional transit system building, despite the fact that the advisory committee to the city commission of Gainesville has voted not once, well, at least once, I know, maybe twice, unanimously to have that name taken down. The boy named Lauren just ignores it because it just doesn't fit their ideology. Corrine Brown was a huge thief, okay? And not only did she steal, she stole from the children because the money she was stealing was supposed to be going to the children. It's, it's, it's just nuts. So uh, we need to, according to Mr. Smith, but how are you going to hold these media how do you have platforms, these social media platforms accountable? They're almost, you know, they broke up Standard Oil of New Jersey into Exxon and XO and all kinds of different things. Um, they haven't broken up Twitter. They haven't broken up. They've talked about it. They, didn't want, they won't do it because the political left finds it too convenient to use them. So there, these, these things are not true as uh, Elon Musk says they should be. Musk says they should be a true town square, a public town square, but they're not. They're nowhere near a free public town square. It just doesn't uh, uh, pan out that way. Where are we here today? We're 9.57. Uh, looks as if we've got maybe time for one more call. Should somebody want to do it? Uh, if not, we'll uh, uh, appreciate you going along with us and and um, uh, checking in. And my uh, two callers here, Plantation Mark and uh, Ken Hill, you're both out of state. Um, Plantation Mark is in Virginia and uh, Ken Hillier is in Georgia. So we got people all over looking at us and watching, and we appreciate that very much and supporting us. So uh, we wish you a very good weekend, and we'll probably try this again uh, on Friday, a week from now. We've worked out a few of the kinks. Uh, we'll see if we can't get it a little more smoothly operating. But I didn't go too badly, and um, uh, we'll, we'll see if it helps uh, improve our service to you. So have a great weekend. Warhol Command Center out.